Amen. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my, like uh, Jason said, my name is Chuck, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors uh, for City Light, and uh, it's a joy. Um, and I, guys, I'm not going to lie uh, at all, but this weather is, is it messing with you guys like it's messing with me? I mean, first of all, it's like you've got all this snow and you don't know where to put it, and then all of a sudden there's no more snow, <laughs> And now you got so much water, and you don't know where to put it, and so it's uh, it's crazy. So we just need to pray for those who are going through some of these hard times uh, this week, over the next few weeks, even. So, uh, um, but this morning I get the privilege of talking to you guys about a subject that is near and dear to our heart: money. Right? Money is one of those words that, like, when people say it, it, it usually get some type of emotional response. So there might be some people in this room and you're like, you know what? I've handled my money well. I've been a good steward of the resources that God has given me. And uh, I've, you know, I've not overspent. I've not, you know, overloaded myself with debt. Uh, I've saved well. I got a little nest egg and now I'm able to maybe, uh, enjoy some of the decisions, enjoy some of the things that, that I've done over the last few years that have been a result of good decisions. For, for those of you that are in that boat, I just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks for being a great example of how we handle our money and for um, actually showing us that Jesus can get the glory in the way that we handle our money because it matters. So thanks so much for, for doing that. Um, for others, just hearing the word money, you're like, oh, <laughs> Because it reminds you of like all those bills that you have at home sitting on your counter or all those little uh, priority emails that you have in your inbox that's reminding you, reminding you that you got to pay certain bills at certain times of the month. It brings a level of anxiety and instead of confidence in how you handled your money, you might feel like shame and guilt because the reason that you're in the position that you're in is because you may be overspent. Maybe you uh, got some of that bling that you didn't uh, uh, quite need. Maybe you spent a little bit more on those pair of jeans than you should have so that you can impress those friends that you wanted to impress. Or possibly you're, uh, maybe that get-rich-quick scheme didn't quite work out the way you thought it was going to, and so now you're like suffering the consequences from that. You're not only broke, but like you're broken, Right? Well, here's the good news this morning. Jesus is in the business of healing broken people. He can turn your selfish, greedy heart into a heart that is sacrificial and generous. There might be some in this room, and you're in the position that you're in at no fault of your own. Maybe you're a single parent or mom or dad or whatever, and like you, you were, your spouse left you high and dry. You don't know quite what to do because you work two jobs. You, um, at, at the end of those two jobs, you still realize that there's way more month than there is money. And you're, you're, you're like, it's hopeless. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do at all because I don't have the means to take care of my bills. Well, for you, I just want to let you know that Jesus is calling you into a kingdom that overflows with generosity. Now, there might be some people in this room, and you're like, Chuck, I'm good. I've worked hard for what I get, and I'm going to spend my money the way I want to spend it, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. 
and I'll just shoot straight with you. I think Jesus has something for you this morning as well. Um, as we've been looking at this sermon that Jesus actually preached over 2,000 years ago, we see that he is describing what life is like in the kingdom that he is building. And what we see is that this kingdom that he is building, it's upside down from anything that we've ever known. And what Jason read for us, it's another glimpse into how Jesus' kingdom is distinct and unique. Jesus' kingdom, it's a kingdom that is a generous kingdom. Folks, Jesus' kingdom is a generous kingdom, and I want us to get that this morning. Okay? Now, here's what I'm going to need, just shooting straight with you here. Occasionally, I'm going to need a nod. All right? A smile will work. Maybe an occasional amen. If, I, if you think something, if I say something that you think might be remotely funny, just laugh. <laughs> exactly like that. All right. So I need some participation, you know, so help me out here, all right? Um, so what I want us to see is three things this morning out of uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. The first one is our treasure directs our heart. Our treasure directs our heart. Number two is selfishness leads to darkness. And number three is we cannot serve God and money. All right? So we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to talk about how our treasure directs our heart. Now, over and over in this Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus getting at our heart. It happens time and time again, and he begins to redirect us, and he wants us to think deeper about what's going on in our heart. And the heart level, that conversation that Jesus wants to get to is what happens to your treasure will ultimately happen to your heart. Let's look at it. Look at that verse. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now that's the warning, right? Look what happens to those treasures. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So you gather up a bunch of stuff. You take that stuff and you put it in your garage or maybe you put it in your barn. Maybe you organize the bunch of your stuff that you have and you put it in your basement. Or maybe possibly out in your shed that's out in your yard. You got all this stuff. Maybe it's not even real stuff. Maybe you take some digital copies of stuff and you store it on your game system or you put it in your laptop. Your, your laptop. Maybe you pad that savings account just a little bit more than what is needed. That's what we're doing with stuff. That's what we're doing. We're laying up those treasures. The warning is, is those things will decay. Those things will rust. They will be eaten by worms, or they may be stolen by thieves. And that's what Jesus is trying to warn us about. He gives us some encouragement also. Look at what else he says. He says, but lay up for yourselves Treasures in heaven. And look what happens to these treasures. Neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. These treasures, when put in the right place, they're secure. They're safe. They're unaffected by the elements of this world. These things won't decay. They won't be eaten up. They're unable to be stolen because they're in a safe place. They're in a different place, a place that cannot be touched. So that's the encouragement. So what Jesus is telling us is we all, every one of us in this room, we all have a treasure. 
there's two places that we can place those treasures. And as a result, there's two things that can happen to those treasures depending upon where we place them, right? But look what he does next. Look in verse number 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, he connects our heart to our treasure. He tells us that where we place our treasure is actually an indicator of where our heart is or where it soon will be. And he tells us that the same thing that happens to our treasure, it will ultimately happen to our heart. Our heart will decay. Our heart will be stolen. Our heart will be eaten up by the things of this world, right? That's the warning. That's what Jesus is telling us. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart directs your treasure. So, I think this is easy to see whether you follow Jesus or not. If you go out and you buy a stock, what do you begin to do? You track that stock, right? You're looking at it. You've got the app on your phone. You may, if you still read a newspaper, you, you're checking it out in the newspaper. And if it's up a quarter or a half, you're like, yes, things are looking good. If it gets, goes up a whole dollar, you're like, oh my goodness, retirement is going to be awesome. I wish I could retire tomorrow. Right? But if that thing goes down a little bit, what happens? Oh no, the sky is falling. I'm never going to be able to retire. You're, you're in trouble. Your heart is literally following where that treasure is taking you. Right? What happens when you buy a new car? Man, if you have kids, then kids better not be spilling anything on them new leather seats. You know, all the snow and ice and all that stuff that we just got, you're a little bit tense because you're afraid somebody's going to slide through a stop stop sign or a a stoplight and hit your brand new car. As soon as it gets nice, you take it over to the wash place and you wash it up so the rust and stuff doesn't get to it. Your heart is following that treasure of that car, right? Your heart follows your treasure. It's a fact of life. And not only is it a fact of life, but it's connected to eternity. And right out the gate, what Jesus is trying to let us know is that there's a battle going, far, going on for our heart, and it has some high stakes. It has some high stakes. But there's good news. He, said, he says that if your heart is set on heavenly things, then what happens to those treasures will also happen to your heart. If we lay up our treasure in heaven, then our heart won't suffer decay. It's not going to be eaten up. It's not going to be stolen away. In fact, it's secure and safe from any of the elements that affect this world. So let me tell you how this played out in my life. Um, I found myself, it happens so easily, folks, and I found myself at the bottom of a slippery slope that happened slow and gradual. My, against my, the judgment of my wife, the better judgment of hers, <laughs> we moved into a house that we couldn't quite afford. Not soon uh, after that, we bought a car that was just a little bit beyond our means. And then you guys, you guys know those introductory offers for like satellite services, right? They have the, the free Big Ten network and maybe the NFL ticket. They're like 35 bucks. You're like, I got to sign up. It's a great deal. Well, those promo offers, they end. And those, those, the price that's attached to those, those added th- features, they go way up. 
And so that $35 went way beyond what we were able to pay for entertainment. And what I found is that overnight, it just got to be a mess. I was worried about everything. For me, it felt like it happened overnight. My wife probably saw it coming, you know, a mile away. And what was happening is I was laying up treasure on earth. I was doing exactly what Jesus told us not to do. And you know what happened? The house, it started to fall apart. The car started to lose its cool factor with me. And eventually what happened is I, my health was at risk because all I did was sit around and watch that stupid satellite TV. What was happening to my treasure was also happening to my heart. My treasures were literally falling apart. And just like Jesus said would happen, my heart suffered the same things that I treasured. In my heart, there was always this tension. How am I going to make things work? Am I going to meet my bills this month? I was anxious about bill collectors calling and asking for the money that I promised them that I was going to give them. And I was afraid of how I was going to be looked at if I were to be found out. The things that mattered to me were things like status, success, maintaining my position. Those types of things were the things that I was concerned about. That's what my heart was chasing after. What I was learning is that Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said that our treasures direct our heart. City Light, I think Jesus wants us to know this morning that our treasures direct our heart. Let's take a look at our second point. Our second point is Jesus or I'm sorry, selfishness leads to darkness. Selfishness leads to darkness. So let's take a look at verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that, in, that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is laying out a truth here that explains what it means to lay your treasures on earth and in heaven. Now, he uses this illustration of a healthy eye and a bad eye. And a healthy eye refers to a generous person. A bad eye refers to a selfish person. Now, this requires some explanation for us, but the hearers of this original sermon when Jesus was preaching it, they would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was using a figure of speech here. So if I told you that Jen, my wife, is the apple of my eye, what would that communicate to you? It means that I value that relationship above any other relationship on this planet. I love Jen, and her relationship means more to me than any other relationship. She is the apple of my eye. When, this, when Jesus used this phrase about a good eye and a bad eye, his listeners would have known immediately that he was talking about a generous person and a selfish person. It was a common phrase, apple of my eye, right? I think the way that Pastor John Piper puts it, might give us a little bit of clarity. He's a pastor up in Minnesota, and he says it this way. You have a good eye if you look on heaven 
and love to maximize the reward of God's fellowship there. All right? So did you get that? What we're saying is that that, um, a generous person's heart is postured to look toward heaven and wants to maximize the reward of God there. That's what a generous person is looking for. However, a selfish person, person is postured to look toward the things of this earth. And the things that they want to maximize is like glitz and glamour, power and security, safety and wealth. They want to look at the temporary things of this world, and that's what they want to maximize. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes it another step further. The end of verse 23 says this. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What Jesus is saying is if we don't see things this way, if we don't see things his way, then even the light that we think we see, the glitz and the glamour, all that power and security, the safety and money and all the temporary things of this world, that's even darkness itself. He's saying you're sleepwalking through life. You're serving money as a slave and you don't even know it because it has lulled you to sleep. So back to my story. I was walking through life in a very selfish way. This was a a few years ago. Very selfishly. All I was concerned about is how was I going to be affected by by this decision. So I made decisions based upon how it made me look. Was I going to look successful? Was I going to look like a failure? Was I going to look good or was I going to look bad? I didn't take anything else into regard except for how I was going to be thought of. And so we, before we moved out to our house in the country, that house that we moved into against the better judgment of my wife, I went through the motions of talking to Jen. Like, I knew I had to check that box, right? That was something that was proper for me to do. But in the back of my mind, I already had it, like, I already had the color of paint picked out and the walls, all this kind of stuff, you know? So I talked with her, and um, we sat down, and... I pitched the, pitched the house. I'm like, babe, we can do this, you know, and uh, she was a little hesitant, but I said, no, we can do this, and eventually, I wore her down, and I finally got the yes that I was looking for. Same thing happened with the car that we bought. I saw it, I wanted it, I got it, and it's in the bank. In my mind, at that time, I was getting things done. My friends thought I was successful. My family thought I was doing well. I had some cool things that I could brag about and talk to other people about. And so I thought I was doing well. I, was, I had a posture that was more concerned with the glitz and glamour, with the bling of this world, than I, uh, than, than I wanted. That was my posture. What I know now that I didn't know then was that I was in a very dangerous spot spiritually. You see, I thought that I was walking in a way that was bright and pleasing to God. You know why? I was in church every Sunday. I was doing all the stuff that everybody thought a good Christian man should do. I was uh, going to city group. I was even part of a advisory team, which was the team that helped lead this new church plant that we got started in Council Bluffs. 
Man, my spiritual time clock, I was punching in big time. You know, putting in the overtime. I thought I was doing all the stuff that God wanted me to do. The reality is, is that I was walking in darkness because Jesus didn't have my treasure. He didn't have my money. I wasn't being generous with my dollars. Maybe your story is different from mine. Maybe instead of buying more stuff, you like to save more stuff. You might be like my friend Greg. I do not even relate to this. Greg had a backup savings account that backed up the savings account that backed up his savings account. That's crazy. It's like, I don't even relate to that. How do you have that much savings and ability to save that amount of money? I'm not sure. Greg did it. He didn't buy anything. He kept saving and saving and saving. All the while, he wasn't being generous with what God had given him. So you might ask yourself, how do I gauge whether or not I'm selfish or if I'm generous? Is my heart in this thing with Jesus for sure? Or am I holding back just a little bit and punching my spiritual time clock? One of the best ways to find out is just simply look at your bank statement. Find out where you are spending your dollars. That's where your heart, heart, heart will be. When you see where you're spending your dollars, that's where your heart is. All right? Is it marked by generosity and sharing like Jesus' kingdom? Or is it marked by keeping and spending like for your own pleasure and security? Where is your heart? To find out, look at your bank statement. See, like Jesus wants us to know that selfishness, it leads to darkness. And it's a very, very dangerous spot to be. Lastly, you cannot serve God and money. Can't serve God and money. The truth that Jesus is telling us here is you are either serving money and what it will get you, or you are serving God. There is no neutral ground. So let me wrap up with how this kind of played out in my story. Um, we were in this advisory team meeting. It was probably, probably three years ago at this point, And we were wondering, what in the world are we going to do um, for space? Our um, City Light Council Bluffs had just gotten started. We were probably not quite a year in. And so uh, we were in, a, in this advisory team meeting. We were, we were filling up this building on the south end of Council Bluffs twice. It could seat maybe 150 people. And so we were filling it up twice, and we were still having to show, show, you know, tell people to not show up. If the, uh, if the um, fire marshal had come into town, had come into our building, we'd have probably been shut down in a heartbeat because it was not safe. If there was a fire, I mean, people would have rolled all over each other, you know. It was not a safe environment. So we had to figure out what we were going to do to create more space, to make things safe for people as well, and to see the mission of God move forward. And so as we began to talk about that, um, we were looking at buying stuff, something. And when you look at buying something, it gets to be pretty expensive pretty quick, um, to the tune of about seven figures. When you consider, you know, what you're going to buy, renovating it to make it fit for you, all these types of things. It was an expensive process. And we're, there were a few buildings around town that we were looking at. And as we were in this meeting, we were like, what are we going to do? Chris Haruska, who is one of the pastors at City Light Omaha, he was on our advisory team. And he said, guys, he said, 
He just needs more money. We need more money. And we, as the leaders, have got to set the pace. You know, it's, I don't know if you guys ever had a word hit you like a pile of bricks dropped from above. But those words went through my ear and straight to my heart. I'm like, this dude's reading my mail. He must have my bank, he must have my bank statement in his pocket because uh, I think he's talking directly to me. And um, I chewed on that for a few days. And as I chewed on it, I remember sitting outside of a place of business. I was in sales at the time. And I was sitting there, and as I was chewing on it, I just began to weep. I began to cry. And I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I need your help to get me out of this mess. I need your help to make yourself look more beautiful than all of this stuff that, I, that I'm chasing. Because had somebody looked at my bank statement, my mouth would be saying that I love Jesus, but my bank statement didn't show that I was loving Jesus. It showed that I love myself more than I love Jesus. And so um, after I chewed on that for a while and confessed my sin to Christ, um, I went to my wife. I said, babe, I've messed up. The house was a bad decision. The car was a bad decision. I don't know what we're going to do to get out of this mess, but I said to her the words that everybody in this room loved to hear. I was wrong, <laughs> and you were right, <laughs> right? Jen was very gracious and kind, and she said, let's walk through this thing together. And so we began to walk through what it's going to look like for us to lay some of this junk aside and to be more generous with our money. Shortly after we had that conversation, that heart-to-heart, -heart, uh, we sat down, and we did exactly what I told you a few minutes ago. We looked at our bank statement. And you know what I found out? is uh, we were eating out a lot. We were spending a lot of money on entertainment and eating out and comfort and all of these things that supposedly made us feel better. And what we ended up doing is we, we stopped eating out as much. We canceled that satellite bill, and whatever money that was, we ended up giving that to our church. We started to be generous with our money. I would, honestly, I would recommend 10%. Um, a lot of your finance guys would say 10%, the Dave Ramseys of the world. Probably even carrying more weight than that, Jesus says 10% is a good idea. And so a 10% is a good place to start in order to think about being generous. Jen and I couldn't reach anywhere near that. But what we did do is we started giving as much as we possibly could. And over the, over the last few years, we've been able to build on that to where we're giving more than 10%. God has been gracious. He's been generous to us. Folks, this kingdom that Jesus is talking about is a kingdom that's filled with generosity. Jesus' kingdom, it's a generous kingdom. Jesus showed me grace. He did for me what I could not do for myself. He lavished a love on me that I did not deserve. He didn't turn his back on me when I was chasing my own kingdom and building my own kingdom. He didn't throw my sin back up into my face and say, go clean yourself up, Chuck. And then after you clean yourself up, we can talk. No. Jesus is faithful when I'm not. Jesus fought for me when I was too lazy to fight. And he's not going to quit until his work of grace is done in me. See, like, Jesus did this for me. And he can do it for you. 
He can do for you what's impossible for you to do for yourself. You want to be a part of this generous kingdom. You can't earn your way into this kingdom. That's not possible. You can't do enough good stuff thinking that if I do enough good things, it's going to weigh, out all, weigh down all the bad things that I did. You're not going to be able to ride in on the coattails of your spouse or of your parents. That's not how it works in the kingdom that Jesus is building. Jesus says that you enter into his kingdom one way. And that's through the generosity of the king. The Bible tells us that God gives his love to us. You get that? God gives his love to us. He shows us what generosity is by first giving Christ. It says that he gave his love to us in the time that while we were yet sinners, in the midst of our very sin, while we were chasing after all the stuff that we love to chase after, God gave Jesus to us to die for us in the midst of that sin. All we have to do is say to him, God, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me. God showed us generosity by giving us Jesus. And it should affect how we live our lives. Folks, he did it for me. He can do it for you. And as you go home, as you look at your bank statement, find out where your heart is. Because where your bank statement says your dollars are going, that's really where your heart is. You can say, we can say we love Jesus all we want. We're just punching that spiritual time clock. We're thinking we're, we're, we have light in our life when we're really walking in the midst of darkness and we're being lulled to sleep. Folks, we cannot serve God in money. Selfishness leads to darkness. And our treasure is the rest. You guys pray with me. Oh God, we're just thankful for what you're doing for us. We're thankful that you've called us to yourself. We're thankful, Father, that you're revealing yourself to us over and over and over again. And you're showing us that you're more beautiful to us than anything that this world has to offer. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody in this room right now that's in the same, that was in the same spot, or that's in the same spot that I was, Father, would you just show yourself to be more beautiful to them than the junk that they're chasing after? Father, would you show them yourself? Lord, we ask that you would work in our lives. And... Um, we're thankful for what you're going to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name.